Cincinnati. Welcome to episode 5 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that delves into all things Bengals. And if you thought last week's episode was fun-packed, wait till you get a load of this one. There have been more comings, goings and how your father's this week in the world of American-style football. And we're here to discuss a Bengals-flavoured portion of it. My name is Paul Hirons and here in the sewing room to discuss it all with me is the Joni to my Chachi, the Ant to my Deck, the Kavari to my Russell... And the Danny to my dire, it's Nathan. <laughs> yeah, strike a light, cool blimey governor. Yeah, has about some apples and pears. Palmer. Nathan, well, hello. Listen, Paul, you can't keep this up every week. We, we, you can't. I mean, it gets better week to week, but I don't think there's any way that you're able to keep this up week to week. But thank you. Welcome to episode five of Cincinnati, which I'm glad we're here because it could have been a one or two week thing and we're still going in week five. So thank you all for listening and... Thank you for the introduction, Paul. You're very welcome. Even my dodgy Cockney accent there. Oh, it wasn't bad. <laughs> uh, and joining, I mean, can you believe it's episode five of Cincinnati? Well, I, like I said, I, I, I'm happy we're here because it could have been a one-week thing. I could have found this sewing room too dodgy for my liking and never come back. So, <laughs> well, there's still time for that, don't worry. Um, joining Nathan and I in the sewing room is co-host of the mildly popular and slightly less entertaining than Cincinnati <laughs> NFL podcast, Tim and Tom. It's Tim Knowles. Hello, Tim. Thanks for that, Paul. How are you? <laughs> you're, um, you're entirely accurate, by the way. Um, and it is genuinely, if I may say, um, a pleasure to be here. You're, we're on episode 66 on our podcast. Oh, I mean. You're on episode five and yes. you're pissing all over us when it comes to the listenership. So, um, so long may that continue for you. And, um, and the sewing room really is a sewing room. I thought it, it is. It's literal. It was it's not some weird anecdotal. No, it's, it really is a massive sewing room. Tim, out of ten, how creepy is it? Be honest with us. No, it's mildly. It's line the witch of the wardrobe kind of stuff, but it's <laughs> but it's genuinely quite endearing. It's characteristic. If you it's, see Aslan later on, don't be worried. No, okay? no. It's, it's, it's the fun. fact that it's very dark is yes, helping. Yes. I suspect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it makes question. Paul easier on the eyes. <laughs> yeah. That's what Pe- I did it for, really. People in glass houses, no. Exactly, exactly. Um, so the first question, the most important thing, what would a Bengals-flavoured pie taste like, do you think? Sorry? What would a Bengals-flavoured pie taste like, do you think? I don't know. Where, <laughs> well, it's, it's what, what sort of question is well, this? It's, but it's clearly orange and... Pumpkin? Um, and Jägermeister. Pie? Yeah. Jägermeister pie. Well, Bengals bombs are yes an orange liqueur and Jägermeister, so you just have to drop a little bit of that into whatever the pie mixture would be. <laughs> I guess that would be the most disgusting pie I've ever tasted. I, I I'm going. I'm going. It's going to be lovely. <laughs> just trying I'm, to describe what it would taste like. I'm going chicken and leek. Chicken and leek. <laughs> old good old fashioned chicken and leek. See, I was going to go something like, you know, on the first few bites, it would taste really good, then it would just, just taste really horrible as, as the years go and, on. And then the flavour comes back. And what then is that? Like, like it's whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I can see Nathan looking at me a bit strangely with that opening question. Um, there has been a lot of, I mean, we, a lot was going on last week, but uh, this week a lot has been happening as well. There's been lots of comings and goings at Paul Brown Stadium with Marvin. Oh, you see, I'm still grappling with the idea of Marvin coming back for another two years. Part of me is really annoyed. Well, I'm on the spectrum between, well, I'm on the spectrum from being really annoyed still to mildly annoyed. And I mean, we can't do anything about it. He's back there for two weeks, uh, two years, sorry. Um, but I, I get the impression he's he's really good at hiring assistants, I think. That's one good thing. He's, he's definitely uh, approved himself to be a good talent spotter and evaluator when it comes to assistance um but i do i do wonder whether that deflects from his own shortcomings and he talks about change and he rebooted in 2010 2011 we went on that incredible run for five years with new coaches with a new approach but ha- did he really change and is he really going to change this time can i ask a, a relatively controversial question then go on does he need to? And take on board precisely what you just said. There was a, a period of time where the, 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 the cycle of evolution in the team ended in 2010. And he asked for A, B, C, D and E. And he created an environment that said, we'll roll this over and start again. And by 2015-16, we had a Super Bowl winning 
talented team, low budget to a certain degree, which has been exploited as a myth this week by a bit of very good reporting recently this week. Yes, yes. Sorry. Really good article by I can't Paul remember, Dennegy. Paul Dennegy. Yeah, it was brilliant stuff mm. to actually sit there and go, were they really poor spenders? Or, yeah, what, it's what? like myth debunking. Yeah, very much. Because as fans, like I t- said last week, you know, we're emotional. We're sp- Very the, much so. The first response to a team that's not doing very well is to have an... A, to lash out yeah. at something, whether it be they're not playing with enough passion, they're not doing this, then and people kind of latch on to things, whether it be true or mm. not. It's an emotional response without too much kind of rational thought behind yeah, it. Yeah, and know. I think in, in the aftermath of, of last week's podcast, in the last seven days, you've seen precisely that. People have calmed down a little bit. They've done a little bit more investigative stuff. They've had a, a genuine reflection on it. And the 2010 to 2015 period created a Super Bowl-capable team. And there's been a off-a-cliff fall, you know, whether it be draft, whether it be the picks that haven't turned up, whether it's personnel, whether it's coaching. Um, really, I see this now. I sit there and say, well, this is now the last chance to have another revolution and say, well, does Marvin, does does he need to change from his philosophy and principles in 2010-11 to recreate it now? The only thing that says no to that is patience. And I think that we support a team that lives in a city that has no patience. And that is a massive factor to the emotions that you just described. But I don't think it's just Cincinnati. I think it's like sports fans worldwide, you know, whether you support, I don't know, Arsenal over here, look yeah. at what Arsenal are going through. I entirely you agree. You know, kind of Cincinnati, Green Bay this year, for mm. instance, Chicago, big teams that aren't doing so well. People want everything now, 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 now. Matt, Nathan, what do you think? Well, I mean, I think I was talking to Tim about this just before we turn up for the podcast tonight. And I think one of the big things is that... Um, you know, we were talking about patience and the one thing I would say to Tim on that and he's saying we've got one of the most patient fan bases is the first thing anyone would say back to you is it's been 15 years. Do you know what I mean? Do we need another 15 for a win? And that that's what I would say. That's what a lot of people listening to this podcast will say. And I'd revert back initially to my point last week where I said, I just don't think with another head coach in place, this team would be in a whole lot of a different situation than it would be with Marvin. You know, I don't think we're going to go out there and get a big coach that's going to make a flashy difference. And I think Marvin Lewis, he works well with what we have as a city and with Mike Brown as the owner. Um, I think to a certain extent, we've just got to own it. We've just got to go with it. We've got to say, look, this is a situation we're in with fans that support the team and let's get on with it. You know, there's another season ahead. You never know in the NFL. There's been so many situations in the NFL where... One team one year is one team, and the next year is a completely different look. I think we've just got to be positive, we've got to look forward, and we've got to support our team. Yes, I I, I agree. I mean, we are where we are, and Tim's right to an extent. I, I personally think the reason why uh, you can evaluate individual players, but we had a bad, badish couple of drafts leading up to two years ago, and that's what kind of happened and does happen. If you're a team that relies on the Absolutely. draft to build a team, it's v- that narrows your kind of uh, risk of failure. Agreed. Almost to the to a tiny proportion, you know. If you don't get it right one year, you're buggered. And we didn't get it right. For two years. For two years. Uh, Lassie's draft, I think, has... A potential. lot of potential, yep. but the couple of years before that, I don't think we drafted. And that's brilliantly. all it takes as well. Yes, that's all it takes absolutely. is two bad drafts, and you put yourself back ten years. You know what I mean? It's a difficult thing. And before that, you know, Duke Tobin and Marvin rightly got loads of praise for building up a team yeah, through yeah. the draft to get us to the playoffs. Hundred percent. Five years in a row. So it's just those two drafts that I think. Uh, I think what, what what's critically important here as well is, is you talk about fine margins and. and we we can discuss that to the nth degree for the next three hours around uh, elite sport level, no matter what the sport is in the world, what are the fine margin difference, uh, difference makers? And and one of those is injury. You know, a lot of those key high-end picks that we've had have been injured. William Jackson III last year, injured for an entire season. That's a year out of development that could have made a fundamental difference this year. And you only need that, and then a two or three coaching relationships that may go badly with players or that the chemistry isn't there, which are fine things that are really hard to pinpoint whether they're a great coach or a good coach. And that's, they can make, those two things in, in tandem can collapse an entire elite sport team overnight. And I think that people tend to forget that. The other thing I would only add around, you talk about the fan base and the level of expectation. And, 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 and I've had this since I went to a Bengals game in 2010. The city of Cincinnati may well be represented by 29, 30 other cities have exactly the same feeling. They live in a world of entitlement. They live in a sport that says every single September, you can win it all. 
We live in a world, in this country in particular, that doesn't have that same dynamic. I am from Northampton Town. They're never going to the big no, dance. Right. They're never going to win it. Yeovil are never going to win it. Plymouth Argyle are never going to win it. So the fan base here, for most of its sport teams, because of the depth of professional sport in particular, mm. they just support. And they don't understand a logic that says, we demand, we're impatient. And you take 15 years, the Cobblers are never going to win it in 1,500 years, mm. unless a massive change commercially occurs. And, so and, the question is, why do we support teams like that? And I think we, we do in this country because of the community, because of the locality, because of what we were brought up with. And a lot of teams in the, in the NFL, a lot of cities in the NFL do, or in America do that, but they don't realise that that franchise can leave soon. Yeah. And then they've got nothing. And actually, they, since that, in my experience, in the first ever experience I had from being a British sport fan, I went over there and I saw an overwhelming amount of expectation. Yeah. And I thought, you don't deserve that. And, and you don't not deserve it, actually understanding it slightly yeah. better. But in truth, it's because the carrot is dangled every single bloody August, yeah, yeah, every yeah. single draft, every single year. You are given that and every, optimism. As you say, every I, team goes through that, yeah. right? And, I, and that's, that's half of the challenge you face with the, the emotional impetuosity with coaching and, and the time it takes mm. to develop a Super, win, super Bowl-winning team. It's hard to do that. Mm. And unfortunately, other teams have done it really well for a long yeah. time. So you've got them to battle past so as well. How do they do it? And, and it's, it's just how an impossible challenge. Listen, I'm going to play. I, I agree with what Tim's saying, but I am going to play devil's advocate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say, Tim, I'm an American fan, and I've been paying a grand a year on my season ticket to go and watch eight games. Three of those games, we've not even bothered. The effort levels haven't been there. It's been over by the third quarter. Um, not only am I paying a thousand pounds, I'm paying for my wife. I'm paying for my two kids. Hold on, we go man. tailgating. What? No, no, I'm, I'm, this is what a lot of the fans are thinking. <laughs> shout out to my two. Shout out to my two boys. Nathan, the <laughs> bigger Butch, Butch and Buddy Palmer are out there. <laughs> but listen, I'm, I'm paying. What about Marvin? He's going to be gutted. Listen, to hear about me and Marvin's relationships not being discussed on this podcast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm paying for my wife and two kids, and we go tailgating. We spend money on that. We all buy jerseys. We do everything else. Yeah. Why should I be enthused about a team that in the last two years hasn't made the changes on a personnel basis that it should have done? And to my mind and to a lot of people's mind, and we, pro- we are definitely in the minority with this, are not moving forward from a coach that in our opinion and in the city's opinion are not making progressive changes to get better. And I'm spending, you know... Like I said, a thousand pound of my two season tickets, my boys, the merchandise, and why should I carry on? Why should I renew those season tickets for a team that, in my opinion, is not actively seeking to get better? Um, that's quite a long question, um, and it's and I don't think there's an answer to that question. That's simple. I mean, there's but a you're, say, you're saying why well, the fan base so, isn't enthused, okay, and they're so not. I'll, and, I'll pick up a couple of points. Yeah. Then the first thing is, if you don't, then they leave. So there's a potential risk is that you bite the hand that feeds you in terms of your sports fandom in that environment because they have the capacity to leave. So that's a significant impact. I think that that sense of entitlement comes like you've just articulated. You know, I expect progression. I expect to win it. It's like, why? And I hate answering questions with questions, but why? What gives the Bengals or any other team the right to win it or progress all the time? Because that's it's sports, cyclical. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's it is. sports, and that's what sports fans do. But Every August, we all, when those guys run out in the blazing sunshine more yeah. often than not, there's this wave of optimism, and that's and that's that's the and, and it is the nature of the beast, isn't it? Brilliant. But I would ask, I'd also sit and go, do you truly believe that they're not trying? Do you truly believe that a player, a professional athlete, well, when I was in, would sh- not try? I agree. I was when I was at that Chicago game. We were there in the game. We weren't following Twitter or anything. We thought it's just not happening. They're not. I can see they're trying, but they're just. They're, the scheme was wrong. They attacked the Bears wrong. Blown assignments all over the shop, yep. both defense and offense. But I saw them trying. Yeah. And yet I checked Twitter afterwards, and they're like, they've they've given, given up. up. They've given. I'm just like. Really yeah, I don't, I don't think they did. And, I just uh, think they were outplayed. Th- and this and you com- don't like to admit that. They th- were outplayed by Chicago. I, I think my, my, my passion for this comes from understanding what, what support. And I said this to Nathan on the podcast that he came on to us. And, and I've said it for time immemorial. I was very fortunate to play sport to a mildly competitive level where people bothered to watch. 
And you care... Tiddlywings? Yep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was via video link. I mean, it's not over there. But... Tim, your wife doesn't count as a supporter. <laughs> but it genuinely matters. And you don't want to let people down. And you don't want to not try. But you can rightfully sit there and question tactics, formation, system setup. You can do all of that. And I do believe entirely that coaches are just as accountable as players are. But... and and. And we can potentially touch on this a bit later on, but I'm very lucky to, to spend a fair amount of social time with a professional athlete who plays to an elite level. And there is not a chance. You're talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a chance on this earth that any of those players don't will to be the best they can be. They've got their jobs on the line. They've got their careers on the line. They've got injuries on the line. Nobody goes into a tackle in the NFL half-assed because their career could be over in a heartbeat. So I don't believe that they give up. I don't yeah. believe that in the slightest. But they absolutely do need better coaching. And coaches yeah. are absolutely as accountable as players for performances. And potentially, you can have all the talent in the world and have zero cohesion, uh, an offensive coordination level, and the whole thing can fall apart for you. Don't so the coaches get Nathan started on Bill Laser. This no. <laughs> but let, let's really quickly, uh, before we bring in our special guest, we do have a special guest, um, let's just go re- through real quick what's happened with the coaching this week. So offensive coordinator is has been retained, Bill Laser. Sorry, Nathan. Uh, wide receiver coach James Urban has gone. He's gone up to Baltimore or across to Baltimore. Uh, and in comes Bob Bicknell, who's come from Baylor but has worked with Bill Lazor at Philadelphia, an acolyte of Chip Kelly, highly rated. QB coach is still to be decided as we recorded this. The running back coach has been retained, our old chum Carl Kasky. Congratulations, Coach Kasky. Uh, defensive coordinator, well, it's a fun farewell to Paulie G. He's gone to, jo- to join... Uh, Gruden and the Raiders Circus, and in, in comes Terrell Austin. Uh, from the Lions, he's been interviewed nine times, astonishingly, for yeah. uh, head coach roles, and he's won three Super Bowl rings with three different teams. He was DB coach for Seattle in 2003, DB coach for Arizona in 2009, secondary coach for Baltimore in 2013. Apparently, he was he's very well regarded. The Raiders wanted him, but we've got him. Um, so that's cool. Uh, defensive line, uh, Jacob Byrne has been retained. Jim Hazlitt's been retained at linebacker coach. Kevin Core, the secondary coach, is not expected to return. And uh, special teams, Darren Simmons has been retained as well. So that's that in a nutshell, really. There's been plenty of comings and going. Nathan, have you got any thoughts on those guys? I think... Starting off quickly with the Oakland thing, I mean, that, like you said, a circus is potentially the word for it. Um, but, I mean, I, I think Oakland are really setting themselves up for failure, to be honest with you. I mean, you're putting so much expectation. And I know you're moving to Vegas, and I know you want to infuse the fan base. So, I mean, given John Gruden, you know, the guy off Monday Night Football who, you know, he has had a lot of success in the past, but he's been out of the game a long time. So, give him that sort of a deal on that sort of money is huge and it's very much almost an entertainment thing I think almost as well as a coaching standpoint but for Paul Gunther I don't know what he's thinking going there what, I mean the money maybe profile profile working, certainly but I mean with Gruden, the weather the weather <laughs> helps how long, I you, how long I'm, you I'm surprised <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised about that from a coaching standpoint because he has a good relationship with the defensive players I know that Burfitt regards him yeah. highly and he's got a good relationship mm. there and you know, Oakland. We've been more successful than Oakland in the past five years. Absolutely, and it is a potential marquee franchise. It is. Though. I mean, if John Gruden gets it right, and I know he's friends with Gruden, I get that. And obviously, going to Las Vegas, you move into a new market. The weather's not bad, but maybe so. Terra Austin, I think, is a good hire. We did well with that. We could have really short-circuited that and gone someone internal or someone a bit more unknown. But Terra Austin was a head coaching candidate, and I think kudos to the team in going and getting him. Cool. Well, um, we'll no doubt continue this uh, after we speak to our special guest. So let's bring him in. Okay, and joining us now is editor of Bengals.com. It's Jeff Hobson. Jeff, are you there? Yes, Paul. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. What a, what a treat to have you on. Um, it's been a bit of a crazy two weeks at Paul Brown Stadium. And someone who's been there and behind the scenes and part of the organisation, what's it been like for you? Has anything kind of surprised you? Uh, how has it been? Well, I tell you, it's uh, you know, it's been it's been crazy enough that uh, nothing has been surprising. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, three weeks ago, Marvin was gone. You know, 
suddenly, uh, suddenly he's here hiring a staff. So, um, you know, it's gone from one thing to the other. So anything you read or anything you see, you have to take with a grain of salt. So, um, I, I, I really can't, I guess the surprising thing, I guess, because of everything you read was that Marvin came back. The thing that, the thing that isn't surprising is that he's back. So, you know yeah. what I mean? Because, um, Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Brown, the owner, he, he loves that, uh, he loves that stability mm-hmm. and it's the age old argument. You know, it's the age old argument. What's, uh, how can you be stable if you're losing, but if you blow things up, how can you win? Yeah. So, uh, they're kind of walking the line right now. Jeff, it's, um, it's Tim here. Can you hear me all right? Yes, Tim. How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, very well. Thank you. And, and, and he, loud okay, and clear. Sure. So a quick question. Do you, and, and this is off the back of some commentary in the media this week. Do you think it's almost a, a braver decision to bring Marvin back and a more courageous decision in terms of faith to bring him back than it is to potentially go outside to the market and hire somebody else? Right. I think that's a, that's a hell of a question because uh, if you think you're close, if you believe you're close, and you go get a guy, and I had an argument with a guy about this in Baltimore. Name a guy who's out there who's got a better track record than Marvin. Name a guy that you think that can come in and get you and get you to the playoffs six of the next eight years. You know, if that guy's out there, you know, then I guess go get him. But if you've got a guy who's been here and you think you're close, I mean, I, I, Tim, I agree because, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that don't have Marvin's resume. Now, granted, Marvin has one big thing missing from his resume, but I'm not sure you're going to find that if you go out there. And I, and I think a real, you know, and I think that's a, I think that's something you have to look at. I think after these last two games, I mean, I think they feel like that they've got something there. Do, do you and think? Do you think that we do the you know, if you redo the whole thing, what happens? Do you, do you think that the player relationship with Marvin impacts that as much as statistics and performances? That it would appear that they have rallied immensely behind him, as well as to say, "This is our guy." And like you say, we are not that far away. Is that the sense? Is that the the feeling within that building at the moment? Is that they're all in it? Yeah, I, I think that's right. Tim. I, these guys, they do play for him. That's one thing you can say. I mean, you can criticize Marvin on a lot of fronts. But I think one thing that uh, when they, you know, he does get them to the gate and they do play, and that's not a small thing in this league. But also, too, I think, you know, I don't know how much of a, uh, you know, there is going to be change because um, offensively they're going to be completely different. This is the biggest offensive overall ever since Marvin's been here. Uh, Defensively, I think they'll be a little different because obviously they'll have a new coordinator. They'll still have a lot of the same staff, but even the defense is going to be a little different. So I think it's what we thought. I, I think, you know, what's, and I believe this, I think they have talent here. And I think it needs to be, you know, it needs to happen. I think what they're happening, they need to fix it. They need, it to, they need to fix the offense. They need to fix the scheme or they need to fix something. And I think maybe that's the way to go. I think... I think the car had to go into the shop and put on the lift. I don't think you had to go out and buy a new car. Um, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to... Tim's played good cop there. I'm going to give you a bit of bad cop. Um, yes, obviously, obviously, there's a lot of disgruntled fans out there that we've seen. And, you know, I think in the UK, we're far more... Um, in, we really sort of have a good feeling towards Marvin out here. Um, but I know in the yeah. US, there has been a lot of disgruntlement on Twitter and various social media platforms to bring him back. And... I want to know what you would say to those fans as to why you think that bringing Marvin back was the right decision. Well, I think I would write what Tim was talking about. Who are you going to go out? I mean, I mean, if, okay, if you're going to drop big money on a guy like Rudin or something like that, you know, I, you know, this franchise isn't going to do that. They're going to put they're, they're going to put their money into players. Uh, and actually, I would argue that bringing Marvin back was probably more costly than going the other way. But um, I would say, who are you gonna who who is gonna be better, you know, right now? Who's out there? Hugh Jackson's not out there. Jay Gruden's not out there. Those would be two guys that you might say would be possibilities. What about a Josh McDaniels? The, they're familiar with the guys. So, 
and I think I would say, you know, if Marvin, Marvin obviously can get these guys to play, and he's obviously realized that things are fixed on, and that things need to be fixed on offense, and that's what he's doing. I think, I think you have the best of both worlds. You've got a guy familiar with the team. Uh, he's built the team, and yet he's bringing in new people to, uh, you know, tweak the thing. To me, that's the best of both worlds. Is there an argument, though, of after 15 years that maybe you look at a new coach coming out, or maybe a young guy like Matt Patricia or a Mike Vrabel or a character like that? Is there an argument that you know what you've got in Marvin, but to be the best, maybe you look outside the organization and take a gamble, maybe, you know, take one step back to go two steps forward? Is it, What do you think about that? I think that's an interesting, I think that's an interesting argument, but I think this team is ready to win now. I don't think this, uh, I don't think AJ Green and AJ Green and Andy Dalton have a window. I don't think the window is big enough for them to step back and go. You know what I mean? I think in 2003, when they did exactly what you're talking about, they did have that time to do that because they didn't have half the team that they've got now. Um, and they went out and they got Marvin. I, I, I would say, you know, you got to strike it while it's hot. Now you got these guys in their prime on defense. You get perfect in his prime and Geno and Dunlap. Um, you know. Uh, you know, the clock is ticking, you know. Uh, right now, you know, if you go out and get a Patricia, maybe, you know, maybe that works. Maybe, uh, you know, but I think that still sets these guys back a couple of years, you know. if you, um, That would be my argument is the window is, the window is shutting on, on, on the green Dalton era. And, you know, I don't think it's time to take a step back. And Jeff, um, arguably the biggest change this off-season off is hiring of Terrell Austin. Um, we say goodbye to Paulie G, uh, who go mm-hmm. who takes with him that double A gap blitz scheme that was so successful uh, under Zim and carried on by Paulie G. So there's the opportunity there to kind of bring in a whole new mindset. Is that kind of? I mean, I know you've been speaking to uh, Coach Austin today or yesterday because there's been an article that went up on Bengals.com. Is there a genuine excitement for that change, even though the double A gap blitz was quite revolutionary and innovative in its in its inception and very successful for the Bengals? Uh, what do you think Coach Austin will bring? And also, um, do you think it's kind of quite an exciting time for the defense? I think it's an interesting question because I, you've got that's all these guys know is Zimmer and Gunther. These guys on defense, that's all they know. And they've been very successful. I, I think we'll all agree that Mike Zimmer changed the culture, and he proved the Bengalton defense wins. And um, the proof is the best defenses they've ever had mirrored their most successful stretch. That said, to me, what is Austin going to do? Is he going to? Is he going to maybe 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 he runs the same system? Maybe somebody teaches the system. Him, maybe somebody teaches the system to him. I mean. Robert Livingston, Jim Hazlitt, Jacob Bernie, they're all still here. Uh, so is it going to be a combination of what of what Paulie G and Zimmer did and of what Austin did in Detroit? Uh, talking to Austin, you know, it sounds to me like he's going to build his own defense that fits this. And I think he's going to take a little bit from Hazlitt and, uh, and Livingston and Bernie, take a little bit of Paulie G and take a little bit about what he did in Detroit. You know, kind of like what Zim did when they, uh, Zim Zim brought uh, Zim brought his deal ten years ago from Dallas, and Pauly G they built on it, and I think maybe that's what we might be seeing here. It's got to be a combination because I think Austin, you know, Austin's a good coach. He's a four three coach uh, the last four years up in Detroit, but I think he might have some ideas that are different. So I'm just not. I, I it's a hard deal to me trying to try to marry the two you know i think they kind of i think austin's right you got to do what these guys do best you know if 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 i mean austin was not a big uh, bump and run he, uh, austin was not a big man press guy but if he sees william jackson and Draker patrick and dark horse and art he's going to be a man press guy because mm. that's what they do you know so i think it's and i and um paul i think to, to be played devil's advocate i think the biggest difference the biggest change we're going to see is on the offensive line. That's a mm-hmm. huge change. Yeah. The third, whoever it is, whoever it is, he's going to be the third offensive line coach they've had since Jimmy Carter. That's going back a, a, 
that's going back a ways. And then Queen Elizabeth II, but still Queen Elizabeth II, but all the way back to Jimmy Carter. This is going to be the third guy. Paul Alexander was in charge of the run yeah. game. That whole thing is going to be ripped up. Mm. To me, that's where the change is going to be. That'd be very interesting to watch. And there's rumours that Jim McNally might even kind of step into Coach Alexander's shoes there. But uh, we're talking about players, and in a moment we're going to be discussing here between us who our players of the year are. Um, wh- who, who has stood out for you this year? Who have played really well? Well, at some point when I get down to do this, the Bengals.com awards, I go with Giovanni Bernard. Mm. I mean... Geno Atkins is Geno Atkins is a close second, but my MVP, I guess player of the year might be Geno, but I mean MVP to me is Giovanni. Uh, if they didn't have him, where would they have been? Uh, he ran it, he caught it uh, when they were just miserable running the ball. He gave him a he gave him a breath of hope. Uh, he was a checkdown. He was available to Andy in the pass game. He made big plays on screens. He had big runs. Terrific picking up the blitz. I, I don't think there's a running back in the league that does a better job at that. Absolutely uh, agree. This guy's all play. He's he's five. He's the, one of the smallest guys in the team, and he's and he's all heart. He's all player. Geo is my guy by a long shot. He's also he was he's a double winner, comeback player of the year too. Mm, absolutely, Jeff. Um, we appreciate the time. I know that uh, we you're you're a busy man. We've just got a couple of last questions. Tim, you want to ask something there? Jeff, I've got some... Absolutely, I could talk to you. I, I mean, I could talk to you guys all day. Like I said, <laughs> Don't I'm, say uh, that. Don't say that. We're feel, five hours ahead, Jeff. I mean, I feel so British because I feel so British after watching the Crown. So. Yeah, what is it with you in the Crown? You mentioned that when we first <laughs> spoke. In the, what, what is yeah. it with you in the Crown, man? I don't know. I guess I like history. You know, and it's kind of a uh, some amazing stuff, especially back uh, around the abdication and all that. Some uh, amazing stuff, and uh, you know, I guess hey, down deep, I guess. Uh, being from Massachusetts, you know, I'm still a, I'm right. still a royal subject, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, next time you come on, we'll do you a British history quiz just to kind of <laughs> test you out. <laughs> Jeff, I'll have to study hard. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, you wanted to ask something. Jeff, Jeff I've got two uh, slightly more Cincinnati-based questions for you. Um, yes, sir. First is Morton's or Jeff Ruby's? I don't. I'm a sports writer. I can't go in either place. <laughs> uh, I <couldn't> have, <laughs> I'd have to go. You know, I'd have to go Jeff Ruby because he's a local guy. Okay. He does a great job. You know, he's uh, he makes you feel at home when you go down there. I think I think Morton's is more of a chain. I I go I go to get the Cincinnati feel. You got to go Jeff Ruby's. Okay, and in that case, I'll follow that question up with a, with a sub question: Carlos and Johnny's or the precinct? Boy, I tell you, um, you know. You guys go to high end places. The podcast business must be good. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with you guys. It's all an illusion. Uh, Next I time know. you're coming out with us when we go to Cincinnati, Jeff. Uh, I'll, 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 absolutely. I'll drop it down absolutely. a touch I, then. I, I'll drop it down Carl to and jo- you know, I kinda like Carl and Johnny's has a football feel because that's where uh, Jay Gruden and Paul Gunther always used to hook up. Ah. They became close friends here, you know. And uh Carl and Johnny's is a uh um, I think that would probably get my vote just because of the football feel of it, and that's uh, um, I guess it ends up that that kind of maybe is what's going on in Oakland today is the Carlo Johnny's connection with Paul Gunther going to be <laughs> yeah. John Gruden's uh, defensive coordinator. And then my final question for you, which is far more realistic when it comes to um, budget, is um, and this is clearly the question on everybody's lips: Gold Star or Skyline? Yeah, he got me there because. I think gold. I think we are a. I think Gold Star is a sponsor of the Bengals. So uh, you've got to say that, gold right? Star all, <laughs> gold Star all the way. <laughs> well, which, which, which blatantly means that you actually agree with Skyline. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, um, we're going to end it there. We could talk to you about Cincinnati-based restaurants all day long, um, but we shan't. Uh, we'll let you get off. Thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, you do a great job on Bengals. dot com. Um, Thank you for the time, and hopefully, you know, when we start this thing back up again, uh, when the season starts, you, you you can come on again. We'd love to have you on. Please do. We'd love to have you guys on too. Uh, uh, try to get try to get you guys on my podcast. Absolutely. Uh, the London, the London, the London version would be great. Well, uh, we're keeping our listen, we're keeping our fingers crossed for Thursday, and we'll see. Maybe we'll see you in London in 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 October. I hope I get the tour of Fleet Street. <laughs> yeah, it'll be quite short these days, I think. But yeah, we'll take you to all the journalistic places, don't worry. Thank you so much, Jeff. Love you.
Cheers, Jeff. All the best. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Well, how about that? That was Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com. That was uh, amazing to hear. Slightly disturbing that he likes the crown so much, but um, it was good to hear from him. What a guy. Yeah, it was a really good interview with Jeff. And I think it's, it's, it's amazing to get that interaction from the Bengals organisation themselves. So thank you very much to Jeff for coming on for that. Um, Paul, I know you're, um, you've been talking about this for a while and you've got some awards that you want to discuss with us. Yeah, well, it's the end of the season and any good uh, fan base, fan club or whatever you want to call it, anything worth its salt always does a player of the year thing, right? We haven't got any trophies to give away. We haven't got any kind of free subscriptions to Babe Station to give away, apart from, you know, unless, Nathan, you want to share yours with someone. <laughs> share some passwords. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, yeah, I thought it might be fun just to go over real quick some of the... I mean, obviously, it was disappointing seasons, but a 7-9 and nine record, it's quite inconsistent. So, along with the bad, there was some good there somewhere in, in that season, I think. Yeah. Um, but just, just... I'm ever the optimist when it comes to the Bengals... Oh and three, would you have taken seven and nine if you'd have snapped anybody's hand off? Well, with the start, no. with the start, I would have. I still. I mean, they still had a shout to get into the playoffs, didn't they? So oh uh, and three, would you have taken being competitive and relevant in December? With I, the worst. Were we co- were, were we competitive in December? Were we re- were we relevant? We were hanging on by our. Know, we absolutely. were hanging out the back of our arse. But if we beat yeah. the Steelers, we're relevant. We're competitive. Yeah, and even. In December, if, I know it's a big if, and you had this conversation last week, your destiny is actually in your own hands. We, we were also five and nine and irrelevant in December. We were five and nine, and that was it. And we won yeah. two good games. If we lost those games, we were five and 11, and we were shit. And to be honest, I don't think we were good enough this year. No, I'm not saying well. But trying to... Yeah, I know what you mean. I know. We still have a it. chance, though, right? Yeah. All right, let's get to those. I mean, the fact... Yeah, okay, let's be positive. Let's, uh, let's do a Players of the Year. Yes, hello and welcome to Bengals UK Players of the Year 2017. I'm here in the London Centre for London in London. In London. Hello, good evening. Pip pip dilly dilly. Chit chat. Wank wank. Uh, there's Subaka over there. Hello, Su and Chewbacca. Subaka and Chewbacca over there. And oh look, there's Gary Linker and Claire Baldy. Hello, Claire. And you sound like um, 30 Duke of Winborn. Yes, I am. Hello there. <laughs> Hello, and me. Timmy and Nathan are here. Hello, Nathan. Paul, it's over. It's over. <laughs> what are you saying? Are you ditching me, Nathan? This podcast is done. I'll say it's oh, done. Oh, Nathan, are you ditching me? Well, I can't keep that up, really. Um, Fucking hell. <laughs> Do you own any music beyond 1964? <laughs> I do, but I just thought, you know, the sports personality of the year, that, that's a, well, that's a Paul, thing. Paul clearly there was going for actor of the year on the Bengals UK podcast, but I would like to invite the fans, right? What? I'd like to invite the fans to tweet us yeah. your podcaster of the year, okay? So it's between me and Paul. No, don't do oh, that. Right, you can either tweet, tweet us yeah, with but... hashtag Bengals UK Awards and either put Nathan or Paul. Yeah, but that's not fair because no, everyone's going to put you. Why would they you're, put me? You're, 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 you're way the, more. No. You're the star of the show. No, 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 no. you're the host. Simon no. Hunter came round to this house last week and he was like, "Where's Nathan? Nathan, I've got to meet Nathan. He, I love Nathan. He's brilliant on this podcast." But that's that's my jumpers selection. Listen, <laughs> listen, right? Tweet us hashtag Bengals UK Awards Nathan or Paul, this is and whoever gets the whoever gets the most votes, the person with the least votes. We'll do a forfeit on the next podcast. Decided by the other podcaster. Paul, yeah, are you in on that? Are that, you in on that, Paul? No, I'm not, because I am going to lose completely. Why? You're, Jeff Hobson's going to vote for you. No, he's not. He is. He's All not. the guests are straight voting Paul. I'm, right, I'm literally watching two people go, no, you're better. No, no, you're better. No, no, no. No, 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 no. you put the phone down. No, you put the phone down. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Hashtag <laughs> Bengals UK Awards. Nathan Christ, or Paul. This is going to do nothing for my self-esteem. Um, <laughs> they get seven votes. Yeah. Nathan, 372 <laughs> votes. Four versus three. One vote, and that's Paul. Mother. I guarantee you fucking win. You go for the sympathy vote. Bollocks. You're going to get the vote for that cat that was in the background of that interview. I know, yes. Did you hear that cat? We have the noisiest cat in this house and he chose to meow 
during uh, the prestigious <laughs> Jeff Hobson interview. Unbelievable. I hope that comes out. But anyway, right, before we get to our Players of the Year, uh, Carefree Aurelius on Twitter. Uh, there's some interesting selections here. Offence, Clint Bowling. Defence, William Jackson III or um, Denard. Great. Special teams, Huber. Michael Smith, who's been a co-host on this podcast before. Geo on O. WJ3 on D. Fed on ST. Fans for overall MVP. It's a good shout. Duncan uh, Yeadon or Yeadon. I still got yeah, Yeadon, surely. Uh, Offence, Joe Mixon. Defence, William Jackson. Nathan shaking his head. Joe Mixon. Special teams. Fuck Alex, off. Uh, special teams, Alex Erickson. And Duncan follows up. Let's hear someone whinge about Mixon. He's got to earn it. Prove himself. Blah, blah, blah. Every time. All day. Every day. Here we go. Joe Mixon comes in as a, basically a first-round talent and averages 3.4 yards a yeah, carry. Yeah, yeah, you And you're going to vote him as offensive player of the year, Duncan. You're not even going to think AJ Green. I know he didn't have a good year. But from a talent perspective, you're going Joe Mixon. How can you... Giovanni Bernard out-carried him yards per carry. Three. All right. In a, in All right, a, in a, right. Let a, me... Give me uh, a fuck Warrior. Here. Warrior at Warrior Nate ninety nine says WJ no, we're going back. on D Mixon on O and Fed on special team. Uh, Rosie U at Rosie Irby. Not sure who she is. Um, if you could, no, that's a, that's a different question. Actually, um, that's not, um, that's a, different, that's a different thread. Bengal Asylum at Whiskey Cyclist. Best uh, Twitter handle ever. Mixon and Jackson for me, as they have Jesus demonstrated, Christ. they should be a big part of the future Jesus on the field. On Facebook, Ben Wintle says, "100, no, sorry, Ian Black, I make the case for bowling to be Offensive Player of the Year. No skill position player deserves it, and PFF grades him as average, which means he outperformed the rest of the offence, which was quite a good shout. And as far as D goes, Burfecht was some, someone, was awesome, sorry, on the field. Dunlap, his usual self. WJ3 was a revelation, and special teams has to go to Huber. His workload was crazy this year. The number of three and outs the offense had, we relied on him not giving the opponent great field position practically every game. And he's part of the reason the D actually had a reasonable season despite the stuttering offense. So I'm going to go for my offensive player of the year. And I think it is between AJ Green, even though I don't think he had an amazing year for his standards. He's still got over a thousand yards, six straight Pro Bowl. What can you say again? What a player he is. I would say bowling's an interesting one because I do think he's been competent on the line and and he played really well when he got moved out to left tackle i think but from a fan's point of view i'm gonna go with jeff i'm gonna go and and a couple of those guys the questioners there the the correspondence there i'm gonna go with geo who, who how can you not love geo and the fact that he was getting used as a running back a proper running back and he showed his talent so i'm gonna go for geo paul i'm gonna join you I'm going to join yeah, you 100. percent really, No, listen, like Giovanni Bernard. I mean, Clint Bowling. I, I, I think Clint Bowling's easily the most talented player on our offensive line. But for 14 games, that line was shit, and we turned it around at the end, and it didn't really matter. And Bowling, in the first game, a lot of people were saying, and I, I watched a little bit of it. He, he didn't do a particularly great job moving out to the left tackle. I think against the Ravens, he did a better job. Um, but we can't. Vote him as the Offensive Player of the Year in our unit that was probably the weakest. I think Giovanni Bernard did an incredible job of coming in, probably as the third string running back this year. He was behind Jeremy Hill. He was behind Joe Mixon. And at the end of the year, the thing with Giovanni Bernard, he's undersized. Everyone says, oh, he can't handle 25 touches a game. He can't do it. He was running like he's fucking depending on it. You know, like he had three geezers on him, and he's he's striving to get that next yard. He didn't come out of the game. He stayed healthy. It's to me, it's a no-brainer. Not a no-brainer, but he really embodied the passion that you want to see from an offensive player. And there was not one receiver that did you said that the passion word. Nathan. Andy Dalton didn't do that. There was no tight end. That's uh, Tyler Croft is a no, wor- Tyler, Tyler Croft, Croft is he a worthy really mention in that conversation really actually. But other than that, Giovanni Bernard, I love you, Gio. Well played. So just 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 to add to that, I think I think it's it's undeniable that Gio Bernard is the offensive player of the year. There's no question of that. He was second on the depth chart at the start of the season, ahead of Joe Mixon, which is a compliment in itself in the fact that he was above him because he's highly highly recommended as a talent. We know that there's off off field issues. The point around Tyler Croft though is very interesting. Statistically, he was better than Tyler Eifert in mm. 2015 in terms of receptions, in terms of yards per carry, in terms of touchdowns, and to fill some shoes that were pretty 
significant, the way he did, beyond competently, gave everybody else a chance. And I actually think he's been an understated player in that offence this season. Very much so. I wouldn't say he's the best player in that offence this season. I think Bonning has, has held together the sum of all parts in that offensive line. Yeah. I think his job is... He's hamstrung a little bit by the fact that he relies on everybody else to really stand out. It's difficult as an offensive lineman to do it on your own. Yeah. But Gio Bernardi's unquestionably the offensive player of the year. Mm. Okay, let's switch to defence. Sorry to interrupt. (coughs) Off the back of recovering from an ACL in eight months. Yeah. That is insane what he's done this year. And that's probably the icing on the cake. There's nobody can question that off the back of the injury that he had. He's been superb. Great point. Agree. Um, Let's go to defence. You've got Gino on the line. Another pro bowl. I think it was nine sacks. Consistently, I mean, he doesn't quite take over games like Aaron Donald, but he's always there. He pressures the quarterback. Mm. Carlos Dunlap has had another good year. Can I can I just say on Carlos Dunlap, before we get in, really quick, 30-second snippet. Go on. I think Carlos Dunlap is an incredible man and he's an incredible talent. But I think sometimes we get carried away. He only had six and a half, seven sacks on the year. But, then, but yeah, it's yeah, not but I agree about sacks. Yeah, but And also batted passes. Pressure. Yeah. And also the uh, dude yeah. in pursuit is amazing. What? Yeah. I mean, he's a good player. He's a good player. Definitely a good player. I... I wouldn't say he's the player. What would you think, Paul? Would you? Who's your no, player? No, I'm, I'm who's, going who's your for player? William Jackson. You go, William Jackson. I think he's been uh, for a second-year player again, coming back off a serious injury. There's some ridiculous stat that I wrote down, and I probably can't find. Um, In terms of percentage of, of passes when he's been covered, yeah, it's like four percent of where it is. Yeah, it just. I mean, play. He's now creating an island. People yeah. don't throw to yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, I think he's had an. Denard's had a good year. Vast I think. improved. Uh, Burfett, when he's been on the fit, I wouldn't go near Burfett this year. There was one game versus the Broncos that he took over. 11 tackles, one sack, one forced fumble. He didn't do that often enough, even when he was on the field. I remember the Titans game, he played pretty badly. I mean, he was he was out for six games this year. Yeah. Unquestionably a great player, but he, he just wasn't on. I love Gino. I thought, you know, my favourite player, bizarrely or not, is Michael Johnson. I thought he had a much better year this year. But yeah, I'm going William Jackson. Anybody who intercepts Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau and takes it back to the house, then he's got my vote. I think William Jackson's our most exciting player by a mile. And I, I, I think Paul has a great point there. Um, I really hope William Jackson can move on next year and be, hopefully become a pro bowler and stay at that level. But my player is going to be... I, I think the most talented player on our defence is Vontez Perfect. If he could harness it and play it week to week, I think he's our most talented player. But I'm going to give the award to Geno Atkins. I, I don't think you can argue with that relentless talent that oh, turns he's up he's absolutely week brilliant. after week. And as a defensive tackle, to put up nine sacks on a year is incredible. It, it, and he... With no help in the middle either. Who? I mean, if you're saying who's the other starting defensive tackle, maybe Andrew Billings, Pat Sims rotating. Yeah, Billings flashed a bit. Uh, Billings Pat is, Sims is okay. Billings is like a red shirt, you know, second I, year I have player. I to say Ryan Glasgow had a good rookie year. Yeah, Very but solid he, he hasn't got someone next to him that really helps him out that much. He's taken on double teams. Absolutely. He's, yeah. he's you know, and he's still putting up those numbers. And I, I think... He is the man, and that Gino, you got my vote. Tim, um, William Jackson the third. Yeah, no question for me. Um, are we going to do a rookie of the year? We can do because I think in terms of the defensive circles, there's somebody else that potentially could be player of the year defensively next year Who's in a that? heartbeat Who? in Lawson. Oh yeah, not uh, John Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that he, uh, with the snap count that he had and the exposure that he had and the development curve. He could be an absolute animal. And I think that he's contributed to Carlos Dunlap because he's taken yes, a bit I of pressure up. That's just... that he, he is a, a phenomenal talent, a, a, a growth for next season. Is that if William Jackson and I like Thursday, the way he was used as well. Yeah, sparingly. And people think, why yeah. is he getting more snaps? Well, you can't just it's throw a pass him rush, yeah, you know what I mean? You can't just throw him into every play. No. It's not possible. You don't, statistically, it's not fair to reflect how many snaps he played. Um, and Jordan Willis had a, had a really solid season without being spectacular. Yeah. I'd say Ryan Glasgow. I think defensively we have Jordan Evans. Yeah, he flashed. Yeah. I think he's got a lot to learn, but uh, you know, athletically and physically, he's got it all going on. Um, so yeah, you know, there's lots, lots to enjoy. Rook of the year, without questions, Carl Lawson. A hundred percent. Special teams is a bit more kind of difficult to answer, but I think, I think Clark Ian Harris. made. A <laughs> oh, why not though? Well, he was there every year. He did his job properly. Never missed a snap. Yeah. 
I, I, I like going with who, but I mean, uh, Clayton Fedgelham had a good year. That's been, a good shout. You know, yeah. alternate for the Pro Bowl. That's, so that's a good shout. Had, and yeah. we, we don't, you never really get to see those special teams players. And I think Darren Simmons has had to had a lot to deal with this year. People like Pierman going and the influx of new special teamers. It takes a while for those guys to get into it. I, I don't know who it was that you just quoted on the the Facebook commentary around Kevin Ian Black, yeah, yeah. I think that's articulated the answer to the question. It's very difficult to argue against his point, which is yeah. the position that he's punting from, the, the territory that he's given, his averages under pressure, relentlessly, without fail, has given yeah. breathing space. And that is immeasurable in its value to a team. So if you say, who's your most important player? It's an obvious one, but it's articulated very well by him to say, mm. you know, argue against that. He's, he's put us back in a position to save points and save mm. a game relentlessly through yeah. the season and that is dependency and trust in a guy and you want him he's like you said who's your first name on a team sheet yeah well on special teams he's your first yeah. name on a team sheet yeah. he's, he's a model pro he's, Kevin Hooper he's the well. most yeah. important person yeah. on your special teams absolutely um, I think that's it really we, we, we could talk about this all night but I think those the the headlines really so it's Gio William Jackson and Gino on, on defence Carl Olsen, Rookie of the Year, no-brainer, really. No doubt. And uh, Big Kev on, on special teams. Yep. Cool, we've got some questions. Um, thank you for, once again, everyone um, for contributing and sending questions. Again, this is as much about you guys as it is about us. Um, so do at us uh, at Hooday underscore UK and find Bengals UK on the Facebook page, and it could be a big, big week for Bengals UK. You know, the London games getting out. We record this on the Tuesday night, and the Bengals games. Oh, sorry, the London games get announced on the Thursday. So, if the the messages seem to be mixed, yes, it could happen. Probably not, but there's a chance. I think that seems to be the. If we do, I mean, stand by because it's such a laugh, right? Just a question on that. Go on. Do you think your Bengal fandom? peaked beyond measure in that Wembley game I mean if you if you want to equate it to an erection um, I didn't no no, 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 no I'm asking the question you can, no, no and I'm you telling can, you I don't you cut, him off, no. cut him off you can say no off. right now and I won't go any further <laughs> where's <laughs> the plug now, where's the plug now you've, now you've teased us yes carry on no, I mean it was peak. It was full rigid. <laughs> was it? Was it how it was you? Was it how you feel when Betsy's had, in the room? We've just had Jeff Hobson on this podcast. That's the way this. This about. is the way this podcast rolls, mate. It goes from the stars down to the gutter in one easy, <laughs> one, one easy bottle of red wine that you've just polished <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, it was a fantastic three. Oh, four look at you getting all on it now. Look at you. What? I'm, I'm being serious. Being it, it was a fantastic. I mean, just uh, first of all, it, just to be in a pub full of Bengals fans is just a crazy experience. And then knowing that you're playing in the same town, and then seeing a few people that you maybe recognise, mad. It's just it's surreal, but an amazing experience. Do you think we'll get it? <sighs> I think we'll, if it's not this year, it'll be next year. Yeah, because yeah. they're contractually obliged to do yeah. two games within five years or something like that. And this mad. year, this year. It's an away game, so we're not so kind of. But um, how do you know that? Though? Why? Why not home game? Is there any stipulations? Uh, well, red, you know. So I don't. I don't know. And apparently, the charges are all geared up for it, and we're playing the charges. I mean, it's all. Of course, it's all speculation and hearsay. Yeah. Let's be clear: the, the charges and the Bengals could do with an eighty-four thousand sellout yeah. crowd. <laughs> and actually, that might not be a bad game. <laughs> I don't think no, I mean, much I, resistance I, to it in that regard. Yeah. Uh, right. Some questions. Let's go. Let's get away from the erection um, point. <laughs> Um, don't you keep cut. bringing up don't, don't you dare cut up. that out <laughs> <laughs> um, right Christopher Hood via Facebook just watch BBC's NFL show from Saturday they flagged up how AFC is relatively weak but dominated by two teams with strong QBs but those two could retire at the end of the season or next is that why Marvin Lewis was given two years could the AFC balance of power be about to shift at last Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, and this there's blood coming out of my mouth as I say this, are going to win the Super Bowl, and Ben is going to retire, and that is going to be the end of it. And it's horrible to say that, but the Steelers are the best team in the NFL. And I, I think he's got a point in terms of overall talent. I think the NFC far outweighs the AFC. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Pittsburgh and New England, it's, it's inevitable that they're going to be in the AFC title game. 
I think Pittsburgh will outdo them. I think New England are a good team, but I think they've got some cracks. I don't think overall they'll do it. They're just extremely well coached. And I think Pittsburgh are going to beat whoever comes at them from the NFC, and that'll be the end of Ben. I don't think it has any correlation to do with what the Marvin extension at all. Um, but I think the AFC is a very weak conference with some very heavyweight teams in Pittsburgh and New England. What well, even the Jacksonville Jaguars that done Pittsburgh in their own backyard. Yeah, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, with, hold on a second with the best rushing defense in the NFL, Chic- the second best ranked Chicago in the NFL. beat Pittsburgh this year and Chicago a complete shit. The NFL is a 16. Like, you know what it's like in the NFL. Chicago turned up a white Pittsburgh's ass and they wouldn't wipe anyone's ass and they, they, they beat Pittsburgh. Well, they, well, they did, yeah. but they won about four or five games and they beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, talent perspective of the best team in the NFL. Okay, going on from that, Stuart Davis at Stu Davis. Hi, Stu. How's it going, mate? Uh, Non-Bengals question. After World Card Weekend, who do you think could go on and win the Super Bowl? Saints, the Saints looked impressive yesterday. Saints, for me, right now. Yeah? Uh, in terms of the obvious favourites of the 13 and 3 teams, we get that. And I understand that, that they're all going to be at home and they're the likelihood. But in terms of the teams that you wouldn't expect, the ones that look the most balanced, that look the most organised, the ones that have got the ability to win any game against anybody at any time if they put a run together, the Saints are the most complete team left in the NFL to challenge those bigger juggernauts. The Saints, and they've got a guy that can throw, and we said this earlier in our podcast in the year, in fact, every week, the Saints just refuse to fucking lose. Mm. They refuse to not give you more points than they score. And now they've and got even the when weapons under pressure, as they had before. And right? even at the weekend, when there was a chance that Carolina could have gone down and, and, and maybe taken a, a, a lead, you still wouldn't have bet against Drew Brees getting it with 14 seconds left as how we're mm. going to score points. Mm. And I just think, I'm not saying they're going to do it, but of all the teams that are left that could, and, and the Falcons are on a rise, man. Yeah, watch I would out say the, the Falcons, Falcons. And, the, and the Saints are the two teams to be watching out for. Yeah. And I still, and I know it's any given Sunday business, and I go back to it, the Jaguars are the defensively best team in the NFL. Yeah. And he is massively not on board with this. No, I'm with it. I thought they were really impressive against but the Bengals. They can beat anybody. Yeah. Because yeah. they're so annoyingly good at well, defending Well, this is the beauty of the playoffs. It just ratchets up a notch in intensity. Predict it at your peril. I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, right. The, Saint, the Saints is the answer for me yes. for that question. Nathan, real quick. It's Pittsburgh all the way. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I have no fucking idea. I mean, I think Minnesota will go one and done. I want, I actually want Minnesota to win because they'll like, go one yeah. and done. Yeah, I right. really think they. Case Keenum is gonna. I think Case Keenum has been extremely impressive, but I, I honestly think with the lights are on, he's gonna. If, I hope he doesn't. But and, and fascinating. Sorry to, to just to labour the point, but we haven't mentioned Philadelphia at all. No, who knows, and, right? And, and that's Foles ridiculous. Beyond, I mean, if if I yeah. know oh it's an if Carson Wentz is there, then we're in a different ball game but I, yeah. I agree with you I think that them and the Vikings are going to go one and done which counter actually point around the AFC versus the NFC being the strongest and weakest divisions who knows again playoffs is playoffs right uh, Mike Smith hi Mike uh, at Bengal underscore Mike uh, you might I'm going to put this out there you might need to think about this who is what is your favourite Bengals play of all time and why Mike I've got my notes here baby for you oh my goodness <laughs> me I've got a selection as well for you all see this is what I do before this podcast so I'm going to throw these points out there and this is for me as a 15 year fan right and it's in no particular order and it's in no particular order in terms of history either first play Reggie Nelson against the Green Bay Packers we were on the ropes I think it was and this is this is ridiculous knowledge Jonathan Franklin running the ball for the Packers wow. comes up the middle. The ball gets jarred loose. I think by Michael Johnson. Reggie Nelson comes round the back. The game's at the end. Reggie Nelson runs it all the way back for a touchdown to give us the lead against Green Bay at home. What a win! Next one, and this is a really tough one. This would, this would be. I've got five or six. This one is such a tough one because it would be my number one. Baltimore, we're down by about six points. We never deserved the game. Hail Mary Green. Yeah, it was amazing. Everyone remembers that. Genuine and if we hands. won that game, that would be the number one. Because that's an extraordinary play. Moving on. Andre Caldwell turning the clock back against Baltimore. A couple of seconds left. Carson Palmer drops back. Hits Caldwell over the middle. 
30 seconds left. Game over. Finished. You should be here. Next play. Right, Andre yeah. Caldwell. There's about 15 seconds left. Brian Leonard has come out the backfield. As on a third and 10. Gets the first down. 15 seconds left. Hurry up to the line. There, there. Castle Palmer. Josh back. Caldwell. Touchdown, Bengals. At home, you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right there. The next one. I was in my front room for this one at 2 o'clock in the fucking morning. <laughs> against the Denver Broncos, right? And I'm sat there on my own in my jersey. It's a lonely feeling. Dre Kirkpatrick. The Broncos are coming back. Peyton Manning's feeling good. He's coming up the field. It's a tough game. It's Monday night football. The Bengals are never good in prime time. He throws it with that weak arm to the outside. Dre Kirkpatrick steps in front of Demarius Thomas, I think, or Sanders. Takes it to the house. That's all she wrote. That is the Bengals stepping up in prime time football. You got any more? No, I don't want... One one more, more. and this is the saddest one ever. It's fucking the playoffs. We're against Pittsburgh, right? Fucking, what's his name? The Pittsburgh backup quarterback. Oh. I've lost my rhythm here. What's his fucking name? Shit. It doesn't matter. Landry Jones. Landry Jones. Landry Jones, Jones drops back. Roethlisberger's out of the game. Landry Jones drops back. I've never been more excited about an American football or a sports game in my life. Drops back. Shit pass over the middle. Vontez Perfect, a 250-pound linebacker, lays out like he's a gymnast. Picks that ball off over the middle. When he leapt like a salmon. It was like a salmon leaping like a salmon. Takes the ball out of the air. Hits the floor. Runs 125 yards to the tunnel. That game is done. We have won the best game I've ever seen. I had tears in my eyes. It was four o'clock in the morning. I was punching the sofa. And we lost. <laughs> yeah, you should have just ended it there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> They're my played. plays, and there's, I, I'd on. love to hear it more. Hold on. Fuck that. Jerome Simpson. No, well, there's some of yeah. against the Vikings. Oh, yeah, oh, what are you, how are you great. sitting there not having that? It's a good play. And we're talking about plays, not moments. Plays. <laughs> and there's no answer. I don't think there's any comeback. There's no answer to Nathan's. Dunkirk when the bomber goes down. There's no answer to Nathan's rant there, I think. That was quality, man. Yeah, absolutely super. Right, okay, last one. Um, okay, no, actually, how much of Mike Brown... This is Tom McDowell again. Hi, Tom. Uh, how much of Mike Brown's free agency budget do you think we drank in the Admiralty that time? <laughs> Are we responsible for his lack of spending? I think, I think, that we, I think we've be... conched to his cap space, haven't we? I think we might have. Um, I think we might have. Um, Simon Hunter... Simon Hunter says, if you could be in a lift with any Bengals player, one from the past and one from the present, who would it be? See, Simon's told me I can't say Marvin Lewis on this. So that's a tough one. It'd be Gio. Yeah. Be, I think it'd be a great geezer. What, because you're taller than him? <laughs> Even I'm taller than him. Think, no, you're not him. fucking no, you're taller not. than him. <laughs> Vontez Perfect would be a close second. Tim, what about you? I, I can't ever meet Vontez Perfect because I called him a hood rat. Um about three years ago when we were talking about <laughs> what makes me love the Bengals is the fact that we've got violent, angry humours that are controlled aggressions. And I did mention that he was a hood rat and I've just said it for the second time in this podcast. <laughs> and if I ever meet him, he's probably going to rip my ears off. So Tim. I can't ever meet him. But he would be a fascinating character to meet. I met AJ Green and he was... I've, I've, I'm 40 years of age and I've rarely been starstruck in my life. And I genuinely met this guy and I was like, I have no, and I said to him, I, was like, I don't know what to say to you. I completely fell apart and I would love to meet him again because all I, all I hear <laughs> is that he's such a nice guy. Yeah, and Giovanni yeah. Bernardo is supposed to be such nice characters. It'd be wicked to have a chat with them. An old school, I know it's an obvious answer, but Chad Johnson is probably one of the most endearing characters. You just yeah, love to spend an hour I wouldn't. Yeah. I think it's a nutcase. No, no, no. Five minutes of, if you're stuck in a lift with Chad Johnson, oh, I love you that. would kill him after 10 minutes. No, Fine. But no, it wouldn't no, it be no. a story. And I say, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have Vontaze or Pac-Man in there because they're two nutcases, right? And again, after five minutes, they'd be climbing the walls and you wouldn't be able to shut them up. I would have, for practical reasons... You're going to say me, Paul? No, definitely not. For practical reasons, if you're going to be stuck in a lift and like the heating's gone down, the lights have gone out... I've thought about this, (laughs) right? Fucking hell. Right, you want Pat Sims or Andre Smith in there. 
So that like, you could literally crawl into the folds of their fat, right? Oh, and, no. and keep yourself yeah. warm. No, it's all even oh, up, up it's into their ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Empire Strikes Back. They are, yeah, you oh, climb up their asses if you need to, just to kind of like keep <laughs> warm for the evening. Jesus so, yeah. Christ. Stop uh, drinking wine. Oh, is that, <laughs> this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is the sound of mild delirium. <laughs> Flu yeah. drugs the, uh, <laughs> with with half a bottle of wine. So it's, it's, it's a unique game. answer. Yeah, well, I thought about it. Good. I think for practical reasons, I think they would keep you warm. <laughs> for that practical way. reasons, I want to crawl up Pat Sims' arse. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine the comfort? The Let's get to the next. What's no. the next question? What's the next question? There's plenty of room up there. I would imagine. <laughs> right, uh, Rosie, Rosie at Rosie Irby. No, Rose Irby. Uh, if you could bring back one of them. Who would you bring back, Sanu or Jones? Great question. Jones, without a doubt. It'd be Jones, but I think we really we've never replaced Sanu in the slot, and I also think Sanu. I think, I think Sanu offered you a great jet sweep option and the element that in the wildcat he could throw it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we've never ever replaced that. So I think Marvin Marvin Jones. I mean, I literally wrote a blog post about this three years ago with blood on my hands. And I wish we'd never let him go. I would have overpaid. I don't give a fuck. I'd have paid him out of, the, out of anything. Hmm. But imagine if we still had the both of them. Oh, it'd be great. I mean, great. we would be unstoppable, but it would be Jones. But I, I think, think Sanu I think, holds a point. I think Mo, Mo Sanu was a really good player, really solid player. But I hate to say it, and this is not being nasty, I think he is the type of player that you can replace. Yeah. And I think we do have someone on the team that will in time replace him, and that's Tyler Boyd. I think yeah, he it's is a good a point. It's a good physique, point. Agreed. Similar kind of player, but the one, the, the one thing that Marvin Jones had was X factor, yeah. and playmaking ability. He was making some outrageous catches for Detroit this year, oh, and he yeah. did so for the Bengals. So I don't think we now John Ross might develop into something similar. Who knows? But I think Marvin Jones was and still is a big loss for him. That kind of X factor playmaking ability the the, the 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 thing for me that that cements marvin jones as being the answer to that question is andy dalton actually he is unquestionably not the greatest accurate deep passer so you need a wide receiver that has got the x factor you need someone that's got the athleticism the agility the awareness and the adaptability very very quickly to be able to make something that was relatively poor look relatively incredible and he had that, the sa- not to the same level as AJ Green, but AJ Green can make something out of absolutely nothing. Mm. And because of Andy Dalton, you need Marvin Jones more than you would have needed Sanu. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for me, he's, of the two, I would have brought him back in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I think that's about it. No, hold on. Nathan's mic is completely gone now. So um, listen, we'll leave it there. Hopefully, well, we are going to be back next week. And believe me, if all goes to plan, you'll want to listen next week because we might have something really special for you. But uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. At us at whoday underscore UK or Bengals UK on podcast. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. It is genuinely has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for the invitation. Um, and I hope it grows from strength to strength. Thank you guys so much. Remember, Bengals, hashtag Bengals UK Awards, Paul or Nathan. Cheers. I'm not looking forward to this at all. Until next week, guys, thanks a lot for listening. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.